2: Okay, welcome to the show. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Hembo. Evan Cohen in for Greeny today. Nice to have you back, slacker. It is, it
5: is nice to have you
2: back. <laughs> I was
5: here Friday. You were not. I was not. Right. The occasional off day is uh, generally accepted around these parts.
2: Too many occasions. A little too occasional. Uh, Dan, Dan Graziano <laughs> is here. What is that uh, like? Joining us. Uh, what happened today on Get Up? Because uh, I was on the air during on Sportsmanlike, and I'm seeing clips all over the place. Six to ten a.m. Eastern, by the way. On most of these ESPN radio yeah, stations. Outstanding program. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you're a part of it, so uh, I don't blame you for saying sometimes. that. Um, Small part. What happened exactly? Because I saw you walk off the well, set. Well,
0: Tannenbaum has this thing now where he promote, he proposes trades, and sometimes it just doesn't make any sense. Like, like he had his thing today was he thinks the Jets should sign Russell Wilson. OK, to back up Aaron Rodgers. Right. And I, I, I thought that was I, I would say far fetched is about the, <laughs> the best way I can put it. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Mike T's great. Like I, I think he's you know, he, he's thinking creatively. I just don't think that's the kind of thing that could possibly fly. And if you've been paying any attention to the way the Jets have operated over the past year, you know that the one guy who has to sign off on everything probably wouldn't sign off on a move like that.
2: Uh, that would be an understatement. I, I believe that maybe, possibly, Draymond Green and Yosef Nurkic of the Suns <laughs> would get together for lunch before Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson would. And a reminder, Draymond basically knocked Nurkic out, and they've been talking trash nonstop. Yeah. There aren't many individual rivalries in sports today. That's the one that comes to mind. And yeah. I will be the one to say this recklessly. I don't think that Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are best of friends.
0: No, I would be surprised <laughs> if they were. Uh, and I just the other thing is just like I think I don't think Rodgers going to want anybody in the quarterback room is who conceivably a threat to him, right? And I'm not saying I mean Russell's obviously got to build back his career uh, and wouldn't be at this point, but I mean like he's established. Like if you, if you had Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle backing you up a year ago, that's that seems like the way Aaron likes to have things. And, uh, and and I would I'd be I think it'd be more likely to be an arrangement like that,
2: uh, which makes sense. But a couple of things actually off of this hypothetical that Mike put out there. Sure. Number one, I think his overall concept of the Jets needing a legit backup makes
0: sense. Yes.
2: I I also would assume that there are enough job openings where Russell Wilson could at well, least attempt to be a starter. No. I know you think he's going to be we've here. We've been next talking year.
0: about that. We talked about it Friday. We talked about it again um, today. Uh, Russell Wilson, I. I think more likely than not, he plays somewhere in, in 2024, but I don't know where. Like, I can't find the spot. I don't know. I don't think he'd be anybody's top choice at this point. Um, and Mike keeps making the point, and it's a good one. They won't cost anything because of the $39 million he's getting from Denver has offset language. So any money he makes from a new team, Denver gets back. And why would he want to do them any favors? So you can probably sign him for a minimum salary. And I get that. And that's that's why I think somebody will ultimately take a shot on him. But... I think teams will explore other options first. Younger, more dynamic, guys that have, have, have not stunk the last two years. I, I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of other possibilities before you get down to Russell Wilson on your list.
5: I'm intrigued by what you're saying because statistically at least, he was about a league average starter last year. 21st before they, in QBR. Yeah, before they, before they benched him. Is
0: it 42-team league? Is that average? Is so, that-
5: I mean, the QBR was 50.7. <laughs> it's a stat that scaled 0 to 100, so he was you. exactly average, I got, I got I um, I as I originally said. Yes,
2: Russell yes, Wilson. But, but fighting your stats off is fun. I want to just is. interject that.
0: I enjoyed it very yes,
2: much. Yes, the fact that yeah. you could statistically be better than you in a singular moment is enjoyable for the rest of us <laughs> with simple
0: brains. I will say
5: this. If there's one man that can pull it off, it's Dan Graziano, but, who now leads me 10-4 to 4 on Get Up Trivia. You, go ahead. you didn't think
0: yeah. I'd get Alden Smith.
5: I did not. You yeah. are an absolute assassin. But yeah. Bart what, had it too, by the way. Interesting. Like, yeah, he got it on his All right, own. That makes me feel less good. Um, <laughs> Russell Wilson, we can at least acknowledge can still play at least a little bit, whether you view him as slightly below
0: average or right. slightly above or somewhere in between. In that he can take the snap and not drop it and throw it forward, sure. And do functional yes. things. Yes.
5: Relative to some quarterback play that we did see last year, he's better than some of it.
0: Zach Wilson.
5: Sure, for sure. example. What you're telling me, though, or at least what it seems like you're telling me, is that he is so radioactive that teams well, are not willing to, to stomach that kind of play given what you have to bring along with the Russell Wilson experience.
0: He's 36, yeah. right? Teams Next year he'll be 36. Teams aren't looking for that. Right. Most teams are going to start thinking younger. Right. uh, Except, I guess, the Jets last year. Uh, But no, I think there's the fact he hasn't. Yes. He played better in 2023 than he did in 2022. A, not difficult. B, not great still. Right. Like not to the point where you think he's going to come in and lead us to a championship. We can build around him. There are questions about Russell Wilson. Can he play within the structure of an offense? He's tried in two different offenses the last two years, not had much success. I think there are questions about, you know, what else does he bring? We Mm. heard the stories when he went to Denver, had his own office, all that kind of stuff. Like, how much of that are you going to be dealing with? Uh, So we have seen teams in the past talk about, you know, we don't want distractions when they talk about not bringing in backup quarterbacks for different reasons. And that that term has been an unfortunate catch-all for a number of other things. But if you're bringing in Russell Wilson, and he's not going to be your unquestioned starter – then I think there's going to be a lot else that comes with that that some teams aren't going to necessarily want to dive right into.
2: I have a landing spot for him that I think makes a lot of sense that I know will never happen, but I'm going to set it up this way because I think it logically makes sense for everyone. I think he needs to go to a place where he's not necessarily going to be the starter forever, but he's going to be the starter for now. And being the starter for now is going to help multiple people involved with a level of familiarity. I think Bryce Young started too quickly last year. Interesting. I think he should go home to Carolina. Dave Canales was with him in Seattle. I think there should be an understanding. You're the quarterback until you're not the quarterback. There's a chance you could be pulled Kurt Warner, Eli Manning style after five games, seven games, nine games, or the entirety of the season. And they treat next year like Bryce Young's rookie season and eliminate that last year even existed.
0: I think it's a good idea. Uh, A lot of it's going to be tied to what kind of guy Russell Wilson is and how much does he want to do something like that. How much would he want to be – the the Kurt Warner to Bryce Young's Eli Manning uh, would you know you get to camp and Bryce Young's playing lights out you may never play so right that, but you, you tell him that going in so my question is how far into the offseason would we have to get before Russell Wilson was willing to accept an arrangement like that how long would he hold out the hope of being some team starter would you get into August and say like well I can still wait somebody's going to get hurt somewhere and then they're going to call me which we've seen in the past work for guys and, and not work for others but I, I think that's the question, because I like your idea because of the Canalis connection, and they have had success together, and it's one guy that we know can coach him. Uh, but Bryce Young probably has to play. I mean, you're heading into the second year of a – you know, four year, four plus one year rookie contract. They're gonna have to find out pretty soon about him. So you know, you're not the long timer. So what can you show as Russell Wilson? In, I mean, what Kurt Warner played? What seven games, I want to eight say games? Was that five year? and
2: four, but I could be wrong on that.
0: So yeah. So how can you show in that amount of time if it's if it's a one for one example?
2: Well, and the other thing, and, and we'll go to other topics here with Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, on this. I do wonder if there's like an understanding. Hey, play well. And if a team needs a quarterback that's a playoff caliber team, we'll flip you there six, seven games in into the season, right? Because we're going to see that happen. We had the Deshaun Watson situation. We had Aaron Rodgers. We had other teams. It's bound, sadly, to happen next year where a competitive team loses their quarterback and we'll be looking for them. All right, Graz, tomorrow starts the the franchise tag period between uh, tomorrow and March 5th when teams could franchise players. Give us a couple of names you're keeping an eye on here.
0: Well, the big one, I think, is Chris Jones with the Chiefs, because that franchise tag be thirty two point one six. million, $32.16. Uh, Could they afford to do it? But my question, the counter to that is, could they afford to let him leave? And if they can't get him signed in the next two weeks, I think they have to seriously consider franchising him and taking that $32 million. That helps Chris Jones in the long-term contract negotiations, because it provides a high starting point for him. Uh, but the Chiefs may need to think about it. And look... LeJarius Sneed is a free agent. They're a great cornerback, but they've been drafting corners the last couple of years. Trent McDuffie is capable of being a number one corner. They have other guys they've picked in the last two drafts that they like that are ready for bigger roles. So it's no offense to LeJarius Sneed to say that Chris Jones is the more irreplaceable player because I just don't think you can draft what Chris Jones does. he's, He's a very rare player. So... I think that has to be their priority. T. Higgins, the wide receiver for the Bengals, is another one worth watching. Bengals are really trying to keep that core together, make another Super Bowl run around Joe Burrow before he gets super expensive. Uh, Jamar Chase is going to be in line for a contract extension. So I think Higgins is a candidate for the franchise tag as well. Curious about the running backs, Saquon Barkley with the Giants. Would they do a $12 million franchise tag for him? Josh Jacobs, would the Raiders franchise him again? And then the edge rushers, Brian Burns in Carolina and Josh Allen in Jacksonville, a couple of guys that I think we have to watch and see if they'll – because that, that's a premium position where if you can't get the guy signed, you sometimes see him franchise just to make sure he doesn't leave the building.
2: Why would any team franchise a running back? What am I missing? Unless you're Christian McCaffrey. Well, sometimes
0: it's affordable, right, and, and, it, and, it, and it withholds the long-term commitment, right? So last year, the tag for Barkley and for – Jacobs was $10 million. Nothing wrong with $10 million for a guy that can produce the way those guys produced the year before. That was a good deal. The question is, is $12 million, which is what it'll cost this year, uh, a good enough deal to justify keeping either one of those on a one-year deal? So that's that's those are the questions that the Giants and the Raiders are confronting with those two players.
5: Another team that I have circled as one of the more fascinating ones this offseason is the Cowboys for a lot of obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's Dak Prescott, who has a $60 million cap that he carries over. So he might want to re- or they might want to restructure him. Right. He might not. Yeah. C.D. Lamb has the opportunity to potentially become the highest paid, if not one of the highest paid wide receivers in the whole league. Sure. And then Micah Parsons is perhaps most interesting to me, having just finished his third season. Very active on the podcast circuit. Yes. How do you think the Cowboys approach this offseason with their highest profile three players all facing financial questions?
0: So, three very different situations. Micah Parsons, through his third year, first round pick, they have a fifth year option on him for 2025. So, they can wait mm-hmm. to do him. And you may, I mean, maybe you've done the research on this already, but I think it's unusual since this fifth year option system went into play. I think it's very unusual for non quarterbacks to get their extensions after 3 years. I saw somewhere that only one wide receiver has in the entire time It was Tavon Austin with the Rams. Obviously. So so you see right so you see So I can't ask you that question on so here. You up see either. the quarterbacks, right? Yeah, that's exact. Consider <laughs> that one answered. You see the quarterbacks <laughs> often get extended after 3 years like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts and all those guys did last year but not other positions. So I think Unless there's a great deal sitting there in front of the Cowboys, and I don't know why Micah Parsons would want to cut them a deal at this point, I think that probably waits. CD Lamb probably gets done because this is his fifth year option year coming up, right? Is that is that right? The CD Lamb, he's through four years, yes, right? That's right. You're right? Right, 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 exactly. So they can actually reduce his cap number with an extension, which is not the case right now for Micah. Um, And so I think that becomes a higher priority. Also, that wide receiver market that didn't really move last year. Justin Jefferson never got his deal, right? Uh, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans was looking for a deal. So I think at some point the dam breaks on the wide receivers and you start to see it. Maybe if you're C.D. Lamb, you wait for the Jefferson deal and draft off of that. maybe, Maybe Jefferson's waiting for you so he can try and top it. So I think those dynamics are at play. And then Dak is interesting. Three years left on the contract. So people who don't uh, like, uh, like live in this, right, you can convert salary to signing bonus and you can spread it out evenly over up to five years as long as there's five years on the contract. But with only three years left on the contract, they could spread it out up to three years. They could do an easy restructure with DAC without his permission and save about $18 million off of that cap number. Anything else, if they wanted to add two more void years and reduce it further or if they wanted to extend him, they would need his cooperation. And the last time they tried to do an extension with Dak, his cooperation was difficult to secure. (laughs) So it took a couple of years. They actually franchised him twice. They're not allowed to franchise him this time around by contract. Uh, and so he has a lot of leverage with that cap number and with all that other stuff.
2: Graz, I apologize for this in the midst of this because Uh when uh, Hembo and I are together, it just gets beyond silly. What's going on with the lights here?
0: Yeah, it was weird. (laughs) It got bright, then it got dim again, and uh, yeah. Were they
2: (laughs) shutting down the lights on your Dak Prescott idea? Is that what what happened here, that the signing bonus? Oh,
5: so you're wondering if it was a content decision or an operations decision? No,
2: I don't care about the lights. Brandon is now looking at the lights. I'm Mm -hmm. just wondering if those who are around us here at the Greeny Studios... Do not like your Cowboys ideas. I don't
0: know. I don't know that the lighting is directly tied to the content. I like, I like the people who are in charge of adjusting lights. I'm not sure they're <laughs> listening closely to what but I'm saying. But do you saying. think they know
5: that we are on the air in this room? <laughs> Is the, is the perhaps more germane question. You know, oh, one would think we could wait until F-S-S-Den. the next block, you know, when we're in break to turn like, the lights on or off.
0: It feels like Brandon would be the guy. Like yeah, Brandon, know, just, Brandon has walked away. People. He's yeah. removed he's himself to, from this he's situation. He's like, ah, you know what, I'm going to adjust the thermostat. Brilliant. The lights went down. Brilliant.
2: Uh, Graz, let's finish with this. Justin Fields, do we feel like we're any closer to a destination for him?
0: Well, yeah, because the Combine's next week, and that's where it all went down last year. right? Ryan Poles was very deliberate, and, and we saw him go through this process last year when he had the number one pick and ultimately decided to trade it to Carolina. So I think in the next couple of weeks, we'll, be, we'll all be in Indianapolis uh, next week, and he'll be able to have face-to-face conversations with anybody who's interested in Justin Fields. Trades can't be official until the uh, middle of March, but we all know they can get worked out before then, and, and I, I think it'll ramp up then. And, if last year is any indication, as the lights come back on much brighter now for some reason. People <laughs> like this
2: idea about Justin Fields
0: now. Uh, if last year is any indication, then I think activity will ramp up and they'll have a decision probably shortly after the combine.
2: All right. Well, based on the lights here. I need some sunglasses. Learned, and what say we've here learned from Graz, based on the lighting decisions made, <laughs> not good takes on the Cowboys, mm. great takes on Justin Fields. That's what you learn. a boy.
0: It's all it's all subjective. I don't know who it is back there. Maybe it's still Brian Custer, the Cowboys fan. He's they, adjusting they don't the don't lights. Like what I was saying. <laughs> it's very difficult to Dan say. Dan
2: Graziani, ESPN NFL Insider. What did I say? Graziani. Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider. You're going to be hosting Get Up tomorrow, correct? That's correct. Will you ban Tannebaum. No. Okay.
0: We need as many, this this time of year we need as many people who come in the studio as possible. We got, Especially if we get too many to too many remote things. heads in the box. <laughs> Tannenbaum's willing to come in? He can be on the show. He's on also, I don't have that kind of power. <laughs> you I'm just here. I'm just going to read We've a prompter.
2: <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Dan. Thank you so much. If you're not able to listen to all two hours of Greeny today, catch up on both hours of the show and the Greeny podcast available wherever you get your podcast. NBA All Star Weekend in the books. Oh boy, it was rough. Plus, a head coach. Just got fired. We'll get to that next. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio and the
4: ESPN app.
1: Greeny, the podcast.
4: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. eligible items only exclusions apply for the ones who get it done Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer call
3: clickranger.com or just stop by this show is sponsored by better help we all carry around different stressors i do you do we all do
2: And Mark, in for Cam today. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, along with Hembo. Was either the dirtiest clean guy that I know or the cleanest dirty guy that I know. <laughs> Which one is it? I'm Evan Cohen, by the way, from Unsportsmanlike. I'll tell you why this is harsh
5: in a second, but
2: are you, are you the dirtiest clean guy or the cleanest dirty guy? I think
5: I'm the dirtiest clean guy that you know. But I'm not sure there's an obvious difference between the two. I think you're being a little semantical, if you don't mind me saying so. I don't mind you saying, saying so. So if you say you're a clean, dirty guy, or you're a dirty, clean guy. To and by me, the
2: way, when we say dirty, we don't mean mind. I actually mean he's dirty, like he doesn't wash his hands. He's like actually dirty like a five-year-old. Dirty. I
5: mean, I have one of the cleanest minds you'll ever come across.
2: I, I believe that, actually. I
5: saw Moulin Rouge on Broadway this weekend, and it was far too sensual for my liking
2: (laughs) Moulin Rouge have you ever seen Moulin Rouge Uh, not on Broadway no
5: okay well consider yourself one of the lucky ones
2: you're saying I can't bring my kids to Moulin Rouge
5: your kids I mean I went with my wife and I felt uncomfortable (laughs) I mean there were just there was just butts everywhere butts or bots Uh, a b-u-t-t-s oh butts everywhere butts everywhere there was a preponderance of butts And I was made uncomfortable by most of the scenes in the play. I mean, I enjoyed the music a lot, but I had to honestly close my eyes through much of it because there were so many butts.
2: Did they sing the famous one? like mm-hmm. Is that than yeah. Roshi? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't think I sang but, that correctly.
5: But. No, but that's the right melody. Um you yeah. don't have the rights to sing that actually, so mercifully you did not. It'd but- be
1: weird if they didn't sing the main song.
5: I, I gotta be honest, Bubba, I got confused if that was the song from that. I, they I did remake confused. it in twenty nineteen and that song and the can 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 song remained apparently. So like the famous the most famous songs from it did. Right. So it was actually, Bubba, a very cogent question for him to ask, shame you.
2: Was it? It was a very cogent question for him to ask, shame you.
5: Yeah, shame you. But that was a very reasonable question. Wasn't there a coach who got fired? Can we talk about that? Yeah, I'm trying to
2: get to that. But anyway, um, so we we just got word by way of Adrian Wojnarowski that the Brooklyn Nets have fired their head coach, Jacques Vaughn. Now, the Brooklyn Nets like all the other teams are in all-star break right now. The Brooklyn Nets are 21 and 33. They're the 11th seed in the Eastern Conference. They are one back, uh, one seed back of Atlanta, two games in the loss column back of Atlanta. Why is that important to be the 10? Because it's a play in. So there was something that happened earlier in the season with Jacques Vaughn in terms of resting players on the team that is probably the initial cause of what's happened here. But here's the problem that I have. If you are thinking about firing a head coach, and you are not happy with the direction of the team, and there's a chance going into a season that you could fire a head coach, in this case Jacques Vaughn, who, if you remember, took over for the Hall of Famer Steve Nash as an interim coach, then became the full-time head coach. If you're even thinking about it at any point during the season or before the season, you have to weigh your options. Why do I say it this way? Who is maybe the best coach out there this year to start a season this year with a new team? That would be Ime Adoka. Okay, Ime Adoka is a former Nets assistant coach under Steve Nash with Jacques Vaughn. Ime Adoka is completely familiar with the organization. I'm not saying he, wouldn't have, he would take that job, but he's done a heck of a job in Houston. Now, why do I continuously bring him up? Because there were reports around the trade deadline that the Houston Rockets were ready to give up all of the Nets picks that they got in the James Harden deal back to the Nets, plus Jalen Green, former number two pick in the draft, to get Mikhail Bridges. So you've acknowledged you're a disaster. You have to fire a head coach during all-star break. Maybe for something that happened a month or two ago. Hembo's getting all the details on that, of that that day that they basically benched everybody or didn't play a lot of players, where everybody kind of went kaplooey there with the Nets. But this is just horrible, man. The Nets have been a disaster. They are, I hate to say this, but they are borderline making themselves an irrelevant team. And they have a beautiful arena, it's a fun place to go to watch a game. I don't know if you've been there. I've been there a bunch. It's, it's a great environment. Cool uniforms, cool environment. At one point, they had Kevin Durant as part of a quote-unquote big three. They played about 12 games together. But this is just a mess with what's going on with the Nets. And they fired Jacques Vaughn today, and it just comes off like poor overall management of an organization.
5: The timing of this is what is so curious to me because the NBA trade deadline just came and went and the Nets have actual assets. I mean, Mikhail Bridges could theoretically have been the apple of many teams' eye at the trade deadline, and so what you wind up doing is basically staying afloat, treading water, status quo. And that is your coach. And then firing your coach before you play another game. Keep in mind, the last time we saw the Nets play, they lost to the Celtics by 50 points right. in the in the most recent game preceding the All Star break. So I happen to agree with you on the sort of knee jerk reaction of what the net the Nets have basically been doing for the last few years. Like a a, a miracle befell you when Kevin Durant decided he wanted to go play for you. And I don't blame and would not blame anybody in a position of power there for not only making that decision to bring him over, but also the Kyrie Irving thing. Like, even though it wound up turning into a disaster, it made the Nets incredibly relevant, and that is a shot worth shooting. James Harden, too. But ever since then, I think we have seen clearly as day that the Nets don't really have a good, firm handle on how to run a, a program, and the fact that you fire your coach a day after the All-Star game is further evidence of just that.
2: Yeah, I, this is just this is just an organization going absolutely nowhere. There are a lot of these organizations in sports if if we just say okay, give us an organization that you just feel like is directionless. The Nets, the Brooklyn Nets are on that list, right? You probably can give us a ton in in baseball. I mean, you could you feel like Sorry, but Carolina Panthers, Tennessee Titans, like where are they going exactly? I mean, the team that I've rooted for, the New England Patriots, like where exactly are you going right now? And the Nets are on that list of I don't know where you're going. But again, if you're just tuning in, Brooklyn Nets have fired their head coach, Jacques Vaughn, day after the All-Star game, that per Adrian Wodronowski.
5: Just real quick, because you asked me earlier, it was December 28th, when the Nets drew a $100,000 fine after load managing a game, it was Dinwiddie at that time, Cameron Johnson, Nick Claxton, and Dorian Finney-Smith um, who sat out.
2: Because the Nets are good enough to just rest guys. Of course. You know they have they're just you know, of course championship
3: aspirations. Oh boy!
2: All right, let's talk about a team that has championship aspirations, that has won championships, and that's AutoZone. They have the free services you need to help get back on the road, like their free AutoZone Fix. Finder service. The AutoZone Fix Finder Service not only identifies the check engine light code but also helps identify the most likely cause of the check engine light being on. The information provided by the free AutoZone Fix Finder Service is verified data from over five and a half million ASC certified technicians with over five thousand six hundred locations nationwide. AutoZone is here to help you save time and money with their free services. Getting the job done just got easier. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Well, LeBron, you were right. Free flow and scoring, that's for sure. What we saw last night in the All-Star Game, Greenies is presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs, for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save. Save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. 2 186 That doesn't even feel right coming off of my tongue. Like, it feels <laughs> like I screwed up the score. Two eleven one eighty six. 186 211 points scored by the Eastern Conference in the All-Star Game. 397 points total in this game. My favorite, my two favorite things, and you probably have a million great stats on this, Hembo. My two favorite things. Number one, they didn't have a two in the scoreboard in the hundreds category. So they had to cover up the scoreboard because there was no two. (laughs) And Carl Anthony Towns had 50 points off the bench, 31 in the fourth quarter in a loss. They had a scorer for the Western Conference, a player, score 50, 0 points off the bench in a loss. And this, ladies and gentlemen, was supposed to be different, right? Larry Bird was at the Legends brunch before the game and had this to say about what he wanted to see from the All-Star game.
1: The one thing I would really like to see is they play hard tonight in this, uh, uh, tonight in this All-Star game. I think it's very important when you have the best, the best players in the world together. You gotta compete and you gotta play hard and you gotta show the fans how good they really are.
2: Yeah, well, um, then a 211 186 game later triggered Adam Silver to tell Turner Sports, the commissioner of the NBA, this.
1: And to the Eastern
0: Conference All Stars, you scored the most points. Well, congratulations. Giannis, to your team, this
1: trophy is yours. Well, congratulations! That is unbelievable. Oops. Why, well, that well is
2: ridiculous. Okay, Bubba, why? Why did that jump out at you so much?
1: I just I mean, the commissioner just a commissioner of the league just throws out the in front of everyone. Just <laughs> throws out a well. It's just he's just you can just tell how disgusted he was with everything. I I just can't. He's not even like hiding how disgusted he was like well i guess you guys won
2: yeah well all right you guys i mean let's let's, let's play it
1: again let's hear it again and to the eastern conference all-stars
0: you scored the most points well congratulations to your team this trophy is yours
3: Well,
2: uh, this is your eighth marriage, so, well, uh, congratulations, (laughs) You scored the most
1: points. Not Uh, even saying, like, you know, what a great game. You guys, you scored the most points.
2: Can I tell you, I believe that there is a person that is responsible Hmm. for all of this. Okay? I believe the person responsible for all of this is LeBron James. Tell me why. I will. Thanks for asking.
5: Um, That's not a question.
2: (laughs) Here's why. Tell me why. In the last 20 years of the NBA, it's been his era of basketball, right? It's the LeBron James' era of basketball. The well, LeBron James' era of basketball, whatever you want to say the root cause of it is, is the friendship era. Everybody wants to be friends. Everybody wants to teammate, team up. If there is a rivalry, the first thing you want to do is squash it. Look at LeBron and Steph pregame, dapping it up. Look at LeBron and Steph last week. All of the conversations Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne reported about the possibility of them joining forces that the LeBron James era of basketball is different than the Michael Jordan era. It's different than the Bird and Magic era. There are no rivals. And if there is a rivalry, the first thing you're going to try to do is squash it. Because just at the outside chance that you play together one day, that there's no rivalry anymore. There's no. It's not that guys don't compete. They do. But it's not necessarily about the in-the-moment competition it's about the forever moments that we can share together. That's, I'm not saying that's bad, but if you want to root cause as to why it's all about fun and not competing to have fun, it's a lot of it is that, is that, hey, let's join team. And I, I root for Miami. Like It benefited my team, and it will continue to benefit my team, this star area, this, this collaborative era of the NBA. But name one rival in the NBA, two players that don't like each other in the NBA outside of Nurkic and Draymond. Go ahead. Try. Hmm. Oh, Pat Bev and Dame don't like each other. Now they're teammates we got to kiss and make up. Hmm. Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook didn't like each other. Teammates, now they got to kiss and make up. And and go even further. Name two all-star caliber players that don't like each other. Michael and Isaiah despised each other. Larry and Magic despised each other. There was a healthy rivalry probably when Shaq came along that Ewing and David Robinson and Hakeem Olajuwon wanted to make sure that the new guy was not going to come up on their territory. It is a different world. I am not in any way, shape, or form trying to blame LeBron. What I am saying is he's the best player. His personality affects everyone else's personality. And it's a, it's a team and friendly era of the NBA that we didn't see back in our day when Bubba and I specifically were growing up. It's much different today.
5: It is much different today, and that's a good point and one well-made. Um, my favorite number coming out of last night <laughs> is the fact that there were a total of three personal fouls. Three. Which means you're not playing hard. The year before, there were seven. Right. The year before that, there were eight. The year before that, there were 16. And the year before that, there were 35. Um, it is, it is probably the sing, my single favorite number to demonstrate that you're not playing hard. You're 100% right that this era of the NBA, built around LeBron James and everything that he touches, basically, is much friendlier than that in the past. However, that does not mean, or it should not mean, that players don't compete hard in an All-Star game and shouldn't be as invested in All-Star weekend as the fans are.
2: But Hembo, they put a measure in place for competition, and they took it out. They had what was called the ELAM, Elam ending. It was really fun. Which basically is, let's do it in fake numbers. If the score is 100 to 97 going into the fourth quarter, it's basically the first to 124 wins. They add 24 points in honor of Kobe Bryant's number to the higher-scoring team to enter the fourth for a competition that its first two wins. And that just went away. I thought it worked. I, where did it go? Of
5: course it worked. It was a great idea. But what happened? They didn't have that last night, did they? Mm-hmm. And, and, and ultimately, like, I think what we saw last night and what we saw at large on All-Star Weekend is kind of a microcosm of, of, of why so many people have been turned off by the NBA in recent years. Like, the, the, the culture that the superstar players set is so different from the NBA that so many people grew up knowing and loving. Like This is not Kobe Bryant's NBA. This is not Michael Jordan's NBA. This is, this is nobody of yesteryear's NBA. And as fans, as people invested in this stuff, both time and money, the least we can ask of people making tens of millions of dollars a year and making tens of million dollars in endorsements is sort of a baseline effort. And, and candidly, the fact that we don't get it renders the NBA's All-Star Weekend the worst event on the sporting calendar every single year. There is nothing for which I have to watch gritting my teeth harder than that stupid thing.
2: And let's add Saturday night because I think Russian figure skating judges were better than the slam dunk judges oh that we saw God. on Saturday nights. <laughs> I mean, it was awful, absolutely awful. But the perception that the NBA players are now giving, the perception, and I'm not saying all are like this, but and I love the NBA. You know that. I am to the NBA what you are to baseball, right? Everybody's the same on football, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Every, every person listening right now, for the most part, is all in on football. It's what else are you in love with? You're in love with baseball. I'm in love with basketball on the NBA level. Okay? The NBA perception is how do we work hard enough so we don't have to work anymore? How do we get to that elite level of status so we don't have to play as many games? Mm. And now we're going to complain about the amount of games we have to play because we have to play 65 of 82 to actually qualify for awards and stuff. So the perception is we don't want to try in the All-Star game. We want to sit out games. We don't even, Jalen Brown of the Celtics even said this weekend that he's not sure maybe 65 is too many in terms of the amount of games. I mean, it's just the perception is they don't want to do their jobs. And I'm not saying that that actually is the the fact, but that has become the perception. All right. There was more from LeBron about his time in LA. Could it be coming to an end? Is it going to last forever? We will get to that coming up, but a little sneaky humbo trivia.
5: Yes. um, Who was the last NBA player to win All-Star Game MVP? and league MVP in the same season. We will get to that coming up. It's Greeny on ESPN
2: Radio and the ESPN app.
1: Greeny, the
4: podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com/giftfinder today. That's macy's.com/giftfinder. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes
2: when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any
0: Okay, and how are your trivia
1: skills? This is Sneaky Hembo Trivia.
0: Regular sneaky or extra sneaky?
5: Answers flying around the room fast and furious. Who is the last NBA player to win All-Star Game MVP and League MVP in the same season? That is the question today, my friend. All right,
2: along with Hembo, Evan Cohen here in for Green. He brought to you by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. What a play. Last player to win all-star MVP and regular season MVP in the same year. I have a weird guess. I'm going Dirk.
5: You're going Dirk? Yeah. You're going Dirk. Bubba, who are you
1: going? I'm going to go, i pretty sure, well, I definitely, I know he won an MVP and I I, v- I remember him raising the trophy, I don't remember, the same year, uh, Allen Iverson.
5: Okay, you're on the record with Allen Iverson. Who is in Cam's chair today, and would he like to gander we against? We have
1: uh, Mark Morales is in there. So you Mark-
5: really don't care about anything, do you? I knew, I knew we- that Mark was in that chair. No. I just wanted to do the radio thing. Oh, like, okay. I was going to say, because like we, we've discovered
2: that he's the most unintentionally selfish person with no selfish bones in his body. He's actually an unselfish person, but unintentionally comes off as selfish. Go ahead,
5: Matt. Who, who would you like to guess? <laughs> that would be Mark. Mark, excuse me. Mark, who would you like to guess? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is your guess. Uh, in the room, we have Jack guessing Shaq. We have Brandon guessing Russell Westbrook. I will say one of you is correct. And the correct answer is Allen Iverson. Oh, yeah. Well wow. done, Brandon Peregrine. Allen Iverson, all the way back in 2001, Won MVP of the All Star Game, won regular season MVP. I was surprised I had to go back that far. Yeah, me too. So Dirk, uh, to answer your Dirk question, Dirk was the MVP of the league in two thousand and seven. Year after they won the title, they lost to the Warriors, and the never won All Star Game MVP. All right, that so year not, Kobe that eliminates that one. That year Kobe <laughs> won All Star Game MVP.
1: I almost guessed Kobe too.
5: An excellent guess, Bubba. Uh, are you sure you don't want to update the standings now? Considering I mean, you I, it right? I would
1: love to, but Cam actually is the the holder of the standings, so I can't even do it. But um, Bubba, did
2: you know you were right on that? Like, did you know he did both? Iverson did both. You just weren't sure if it was the last one that did it, or did you have a total guess on your yeah, part?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I I I picture in my mind him raising the All Star Game tr- MVP. I can vividly remember that, and then I was confident he won an M the NBA uh, MVP. I just didn't. I had no concept of when it was, so. I thought it was at least a pretty good guess. Iverson, I, I also knew I was going to be in the ballpark. Yeah, Bubba.
5: He also won All-Star Game MVP in 2005, which was one of the two Steve Nash MVP seasons. But either uh, way, you get it right, and you're probably going to count it towards the standings tomorrow when Cam gets back.
1: I wish, I wish we could. Yeah. Well, we've we've made it. A, a, we've decided. Greatest out here. We don't count it. But I, I we should probably change that rule starting today. Yeah, <laughs> starting today,
2: <laughs> so you can get your win. Uh, you know, one of the other things from All-Star Weekend, LeBron met with the media about his future in L.A. And I want to start with this because this one was amazing on the 50-50 on how he's going to handle his farewell tour. Take a
1: listen. I was asked this question a couple days ago. Will you kind of take the farewell tour or will you kind of just Tim Duncan it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 5050 um, 50 I'm going to be honest because there's times where I feel like I guess I owe it to my fans that's been along this journey with me for two decades plus to be able to give them that moment you know where it's every city and whatever the case may be and, you know they give you your flowers or whatever the case may be that seems cool but the other side of i've never been that great with accepting like praise oh my god
2: oh my god do you know So how did the chosen one get tattooed on your back, just (laughs) out of curiosity? He doesn't like
1: praise. I mean,
2: your nickname is King James. You literally do the crown upon arrival at the introductions last night at the All-Star Game. (laughs) The first part of what you said, LeBron, is correct. It is best for the league, the fans, and yourself to have the retirement tour. Comparing yourself to Tim Duncan from an off-the-court mentality perspective is utterly ridiculous. You could not be further away from what Tim Duncan is. That doesn't make you bad nor good. It just makes you different. That's okay. LeBron James saying he's shying away from a farewell tour? Let me explain how this is going to go. He is going to tell us he's going to retire. He's going to tell us he's going to have a farewell tour. Why? Hourglass season, passive-aggressive season, Guys, I, you know, I wasn't going to do it. Adam called me when I told him I was going to retire. thought it would be good for the league. And it's my job to give back to the league. The league has given me so much. I want to give back to the other teams in this league and appreciate the fans. And it was Adam's idea uh, to do this. So I guess I'm going to do this. Adam being silver, the commissioner of the league, when LeBron obviously wants to do this. There, I don't know that there's anything more in life that LeBron would want to do than a retirement tour. And kudos to LeBron. Guess what? 99% of the people in the world, if they had a retirement tour... Nobody would see them on that tour. LeBron James is in that 1%. But even thinking that you're in the same sentence as Tim Duncan in terms of mentality, where Tim Duncan probably calls Pop, Greg Popovich, offseason. All right, I'm going to retire. All right, cool. See you later. And that's the extent of the conversation. Like, thanks for everything. Appreciate it. Like I'm really rich because of you, which Popovich and Steve Kerr do all the time when they go to dinner. Famously, that they cheer the most expensive glass of wine, and they say to Tim Duncan because they know that they would not be eating at that restaurant if not for Tim Duncan.
5: <laughs> 50-50? What? All right, I'm done. A very now. bizarre answer. He actually did have me. Up until the point where he he says he doesn't like accepting praise and that he's not good at it, uh, obviously nothing can be further from the truth. That is like you me gotta saying, feel badly for him that somebody you know like knocked him out and, and tattooed yeah, chosen one very, on his back. Very bizarre. It's like me saying I have swag. It's like you saying you're soft spoken. It's just obviously not true. Right. Um, however, I actually did, I think, learn a lot from his comments because like LeBron James is is not just on the back nine. Like he is now thinking about how it's going to end and even though it seems like his career is eternal uh, he is a mere mortal like the rest of us and we are staring you know headlong at the possibility of this thing ending super soon and LeBron James getting to craft his exit strategy is something that we as basketball fans that have enjoyed two decades of unbridled brilliance are just going to have to wrap our heads around I find that notion to be fascinating
2: now after all of that said, that I think that that clip we just played was crazy. I actually do believe this one about ending his career with the Lakers.
1: Hmm. I am a Laker, and uh, I am I'm happy and been very happy being a Laker the last six years, and uh, and hopefully it stays that way. Um, but I don't have the I don't have the answer to how long it is, or you know which uniform I'll be in. Hopefully it is with the Lakers. It's a great organization and so many greats, but. But we'll see. I don't know how it's going to end, but it's coming.
5: So I
2: actually do believe that. I think think he'd like all things to be perfect for him to end his career there, which means the expiring contracts they have at the end of the season, the three first-rounders, the ability to ultimately draft his son or sons, because he has two sons that potentially could be good enough to play in the NBA one day. Like, I think that all would contribute to this, but I don't think – He has a wandering eye for other teams. You don't.
5: I really don't. I think as someone who is very legacy conscious, I could easily see LeBron going elsewhere, going potentially to Cleveland, going somewhere else to either ring chase or have the opportunity to do just that, play with his sons. And if the Lakers don't provide him a path to doing that the way he wants, I could see him having that wandering. Cleveland would be the one. Like, I don't see it back
2: to my... I mean, I I think it would only be one of the teams he's already played for. I don't think he could play for a fourth team. I think he could have another stop at one of the teams he has played for. But I actually believe what he said there. I do think he wants to finish his career with the Lakers if he can. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.